1828, a teenage boy walked into the city of Nuremberg, Germany, as if he had fallen from the sky. He said his name was Caspar Hauser, and soon he would be an international celebrity. Was he a kind of feral child raised in darkness by a man in a mask? Was he the hidden heir to a royal throne? Or was he a bold hoaxer, tricking much of Europe into believing a preposterous story? Well, no, I'm asking you. That wasn't a tease. I was actually asking you. I wanted to answer now. Just kidding. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast. My name is Carrie. I'm Dean. Carrie's laughing at my tease because I ended it like a goober. Um, what are you going to talk about, Dean? I am going to talk about one of the greatest mysteries in the history of history. Am I exaggerating? No. <laughs> Actually, this is a super well-known case among we aficionados of things mysterious, uh-huh. especially historical mysteries. This is the story sure. of Casper Hauser. We're going to start, though, long after. Wait, I have to say something. Yes, please. I have never heard a podcast about this. Well, that's fine. Have you heard of it at no, all? No, but that's interesting. Okay. Well, of course I have heard okay. of it. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I don't, I haven't, but I don't listen to a lot I know, of podcasts. But I do, which is my point. Okay. Do you listen to like, like are there podcasts out there strictly about historical mysteries? We do yeah. a lot of that, but okay. We're going to start a little earlier and kind of an analog. We're going to start in September 5th, 2011, when a teenage boy walked into a Berlin city hall and he presented himself to the city. He said, basically, he said, I, I need help. He said, I'm all alone in the world. I don't know who I am. Please help me. Huh. He didn't know his 14, first. You said he is? 2011. No, how old is he? He was 17. He returned. Oh, 17 okay. years old. Okay. I hadn't said. He didn't know his first name. He said his name was Ray. He also knew his birthday, June 20th, 1994, which would have made him 17 years old at the time. Ray said that his mother died when he was 12 years old in a car accident that left his face scarred. He wasn't sure where he had grown up, though. And he said that when his mother died, when he was 12 years old in an accident, his father kind of lost it and took the two of them out into the woods, and they lived rough for the rest of his life up until this day. They basically, okay. Yes. Question. Yes. He doesn't know his name, but his name is Ray. He knows his name is Ray. Oh, okay. He doesn't know the rest of it. He doesn't know where he grew up. doesn't know where he had been when his... He doesn't even know where he had just been now in the forest. He didn't. He said he didn't know where he was growing up until he was 12. His mom had an accident and died. His dad brought him on the forest, and he and his dad lived in the forest like, you know. That's weird. Men. Okay. Yeah, it is. His dad, though, about one month before he showed up at City Hall, his dad had died. Oh. Ray said he buried his body, quote, in a hole in the forest underneath some stones, end quote. But now he's like, I'm alone. I'm scared. He began hiking out of the woods and finally came onto the fringes of the city of Berlin. Somehow he made it to, I guess, I'm, I don't know where the city hall of Berlin is. I'm assuming it's probably in the middle of the city, though. Yeah. And he got himself to there and he essentially put himself at the mercy of the Berliners. He had no passport, no identification. So authorities, not sure what they do, they put him in care housing and they try to figure out who he was and, and, and look into it. Yeah. He did not speak German, he spoke to them in English which is kind of the lingua franca of, of Europe. Yeah. and But he spoke English in what they described as kind of an English or maybe an American accent. Okay. So they thought maybe his parents were from the United States or from England. Huh. They weren't sure. The, some people said, oh, but, he, and he described the forest where he and his dad had lived, and to some it sounded like the Or 
Mountains Forest, which is on the Czech and German border. So people say, hey, maybe he's Czech. Yeah. Maybe he's from the Czech Republic. I have a question. Yeah. So they know what he looks like. I mean, mm-hmm. this could is this a possibility? You may not know the answer to this. Could they take a picture of this kid, mm-hmm. send it to the British um, authorities and the American authorities? Do we have the ability to face recognition? In 2011, I'm sure we did not. To look through pa- like passport photos. I, I, mean. I don't know. I don't know. But they'd I have to have a it. passport, right? To get from America to Germany. I don't know Theoretically. about the United States or um, the UK. Unless he had himself smuggling to Germany from England. <laughs> so while the police try to find out if he had any family left or where he was or where he's from, he began to adapt to his new urban life. Ray quickly learned how to use a laptop and a mobile phone. And this, this boy, Ray, who had wandered in from, from the woods, was becoming a modern German. Let's pick up on the story of Ray at the end here. Let's now go into our main tale, that of Casper Hauser. Were we going to find out who Ray really was? I, we will, okay. I promise okay. you. 183 years before Ray arrived at Berlin City Hall, a different teenage boy emerged from the then far vaster forest of central Germany into the city of Nuremberg in the kingdom of Bavaria in what is now southern Germany. It was May 26th, 1828. So the, his, this boy just shows up in the town. It's a good-sized city, too. I think it had tens of thousands of folks. He wore knee-length pantaloons, had a black silk necktie. He wore a waistcoat with a gray jacket over it, had a felt hat that was lined with yellow silk, a red and white checkered handkerchief that was embroidered with the initials K.H., it sounds like pretty fancy dress. It does sound like fancy. I've always thought that too, but yeah, there's there's could be a reason for that. We'll okay. get to that. He had boots on, but they seemed really ruined from potential apparently a walking for a very long time, and they fit very poorly. I think he had. I think his toes were kind of sticking out from holes in them. His pockets held a key that appeared German made, and also a little envelope with some gold dust in it. He had prayer beads in one pocket. And they were made of horn. I don't know if that was common or not. It doesn't say what kind of horn. I don't know. But yeah. hopefully not rhino horn. Although back then, probably. He had a couple of pamphlets with him. They were religious tracts. One was called The Art of Replacing Lost Time and Years Badly Spent. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote some crazy shit. No I, crazier I need than. That pamphlet. Yeah, I, that, that'd be fine. <laughs> that, by the way, would turn out to be a pretty apt title. We'll get back to that. He was kind of stocky and sturdily built. Had curly brown hair and had a pretty healthy complexion. He was short though. He was four foot nine inches Ooh. tall. It's very short. Even for a year back then, that's pretty darn short. Yeah. He seemed pretty reasonably healthy though. He did walk kind of oddly. Some people thought almost like almost like a toddler. You know, like he had like he was didn't, didn't walk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so they're thinking, who is this kid? Where'd he come from? How'd he get to Nuremberg? No one's ever seen him before. No one recognized him. Luckily, though, the boy carried a letter in in an envelope with him that hinted at some answers to exactly those questions. The letter was addressed to someone named Captain Van Wessening. He was a captain of the 4th Squadron of the 6th Cavalry Regiment. Mm, Sounds cool. Of Bavaria, I imagine. (laughs) That doesn't sound cool to you. Was he a real person? Yes, he was. Its heading read, from the Bavarian border, the place is unnamed, 1828, end quote. That was, I guess, on the envelope, I think. Weird. Or at the top of the note, I, I believe. So the writer in this letter explained that he was a 
laborer. He was of fairly modest means. He had been given the boy, who now carried this letter into Nuremberg, when the boy was an infant, maybe a few months old, and he had been given charge of this boy on October 7th, 1812. That would make this young boy about 16 years old, which looked, you know, approximately like, like it was true. He raised the boy, but he never told him anything about his parents, only saying that if he had remained with his parents, quote, he would have been a learned man, end quote. So it implies Casper's parents were learned. This right. is at a time where that wasn't the norm necessarily. So he, it's like he wasn't, he was from a family was well-to-do at the very least. Okay, but he said if he had stayed with his family, like that was a possibility. So why was he not with his family? Hmm, intriguing, Carrie. Yeah. Do you want me to answer it now? I'll skip ahead several, yes, two please. episodes. Okay, this is going to be a two-parter, by oh, the way. Did I mention no, that up top? No, you Maybe didn't. I didn't. So, no, we're not going to answer that question right now, Carrie. We may never answer that question. Are we may? We'll see. I'll just Google it. You better not. <laughs> the letter writer asked that city officials place the boy in the cavalry, just like his father's. Like, here, put him in the army. The boy could read and write, he said. In fact, quote, he writes my handwriting exactly as I do, end quote. <laughs> oh. hmm. And he had been educated in Christianity. This all seemed, you know, pretty normal. But no, but it seems normal. No, but like he's like, this is a fairly normal kid, right? Yeah. The next part, though, seemed a little weird. The letter said that this kid had not been allowed to, quote, take a step from the house in order that nobody might know where he was brought up, end quote. Hmm. That's getting mysterious, isn't it? Why? That's weird. No, I mean, but what? Why? Why? Okay. 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 Again, can I tell you now? And skip. (laughs) (laughs) There were hints of some darker things still, though. The laborer said he could not take the boy all the way into the city because, quote, that would cost me my neck, end quote. So the laborer just kind of let him go and let him wander in. The letter ended on a very dark note there. It said, if you can't keep him, you will have to butcher him or hang him up in the chimney, end quote. So foster father of the year. What does hang him up in the chimney mean? I'm not 100% positive. One, there's various, I guess, I don't know, different sources say have this say different things. Some people just say you'll have to hang him. Yeah. The the one I read that I just liked it better because it mentioned butcher him. Yes. And uh, or hang him up in the chimney. I don't know. Bleed out, eat him. Well, I was going to say the connotations, you butcher things to eat them. It's a weird thing to say for sure. Yeah. But anyway, if you can't put him in the cavalry, just kill him. I don't know what else to do with him. I'm done. Because I'll tell you, he's probably too short for the cavalry. You know what? You're on a horse, carry. You're much taller on top of a horse. so mm. He can't get up on the horse. He's too short. You'd have a stepladder, Curry. <laughs> yeah, because you have that when you're out on the battlefield. A boy I don't can so. dream. Damn it. Don't stop trying to constrain him. I'm just being practical. Damn you. Tucked inside the larger envelope was a second envelope with a second letter. Hmm. <laughs> this one was dated 1812. Ooh. It was written by, who do you think? His mother or his, his father. His mother. His mother said in this letter she had given him to the laborer to raise. So this gave a birth date because in the letter, the mother said he was born April 30th, 1812. And she told the laborer to name the boy Casper. So he did. She explained that the boy's father had been a cavalryman, just like the laborer had said, but he was dead. He had been in the 6th Regiment stationed in Nuremberg. So 
She had instructed the laborer to take Casper into Nuremberg to enlist him in the cavalry, I guess, at, a, at the right age. And that the mother said, quote, I'm just a poor little girl, end quote, and she couldn't care for the boy. Okay, mm. so what happened? He'd be a learned man if he had stayed with his parents. Well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe her, the father wasn't quite so poor, quote, unquote. Hmm, interesting, isn't it, Gary? Weirdly, a close examination of the two letters showed that they appear to be written by the exact same person. Yeah. Interesting. In fact, they were written on the same kind of paper with the same color ink. <laughs> so, I mean, some people, you'd say that, hey, maybe the, the laborer had transcribed the mother's letter at a later date. Later date. So, in other words, he'd written the first one. Maybe he lost or, the, or just got, you know, beat uh, the 16-year-old letter from the mom just was yeah. in bad enough shape that he just sort of wrote it out yeah. and put it inside. That's possible. Who could say? Well, he should have made a note of that on the letter. Yeah. If that was the case. By the way, this is not the of original. Course. Sure. So, right. Carrie, he's busy. He had to take a boy to Nuremberg uh-huh. and drop him off. They also noticed that Casper wasn't saying a lot. He didn't speak very much. He appeared a little bit simple, as a matter of fact, to these the, the original folks who had uh-huh. him in their care. The laborer had asked that they delivered a boy to this Captain von Wessening. So that's what they did. He's a real person. Apparently, there's a shoemaker named Weichmann was the first one to kind of stumble onto him and say, "What's you, you okay? Do you need some help? And, and he had taken him to City Hall of Nuremberg. So they said, um, Herr Weichmann, why don't you go ahead and take him to Captain Wessening's house and drop him off? Mm-hmm. So Captain Wessening, um, Weichmann, the shoemaker, did exactly that. He went to Captain Wessening's house and he, and he, and he presented the kid. And Casper would only repeat the same thing. I want to be a cavalryman as my father was. He would also yell, horse, horse, when he seen any kind of animal <laughs> at all. When they asked him anything else, any kind of just anything else, further explanation, whatever, Casper would only say, don't know, don't know, don't know, to the point where he finally burst into tears, so they stopped asking him questions. Yeah. You're harassing this poor kid. Come on, he's had a rough life. You're going to see how rough it was. The captain apparently wanted nothing to do with him. So I guess, I mean, it just didn't say, he just kind of get lost to the story. He's like, I, I don't know who this kid is. Yeah. Get him out of here. When it had no interest in him at all. So they marched him back to City Hall, and then they actually marched him, they took him to the police station. They just didn't know where else to put him. So there, someone had a good idea, and they said, hey, let's, they said he can write. Let's give him a pen and paper and see if he can write some and tell us anything. Maybe, because he can't speak it, maybe he can write it. So... Apparently, the laborer saying, oh, he's literate, was a little bit of an exaggeration because the only thing Casper would write would be his name, Casper Hauser, in perfect <laughs> penmanship. It's very legible, but that's it. It's huh. not super literate, at least not yet. He, Casper, did demonstra- demonstrate some other traits. He appeared to understand what money was. I don't know how exactly, but that's in a, in a couple of sources. He could repeat some prayers. So he could say some other things, too, but just sort of mimic, aping some prayers. Yeah. Otherwise, he appeared to know very few words and, again, just could not give any hint of where he came from. Anytime they asked him, how'd you get to Nuremberg? How'd you get here? At this point, he would clam up. He did. He couldn't say. He, he did not go that he knew. So they're not sure about what else they're going to do with this kid. So they essentially put him in a cell as a vagabond. But I don't think it was meant to be you know, protective right. of him. I, I yeah. don't think they locked it up and everything like that. So, but essentially what, what they took him to the cell though, was a place called Lugans, Lugansland tower. It's part of this Nuremberg castle, which is, it's not what you think it's, it's a complex of different stone buildings that make up 
this is right it's on ridge in the middle in the center of Urenberg. it's kind of a fortified group of stone buildings and he would be there for two months his jailer i guess if that's the right word was a man named andreas hittel or hiltel a little close to a very uncomfortable german name he <laughs> was I, I you know for lack of a better term he's read, he's been treated like kind of a ward of the state yeah i guess let's take care of him we'll feed him and everything like that we just don't know what to do with him or where he there's no from. orphanages or family <sighs> homes or anything in nuremberg you know, in the 18 blah 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 i think he was already fascinating 1828 is not blah blah thank you very i much. can't remember it's I, I i think they're really interested like like who is this kid? This is a weird thing. This is not just an orphan. I mean, they knew who their orphans were. It's just the homeless kid. This is this is something strange. Uh, again, he had these these letters from these people. He apparently, you know, yeah. so it seemed it was already very intri- intriguing. I think from from day one for these folks. He again, Hiltel would uh, would was in charge of him for two months. He said he physically he seemed very he seemed very good. By the way, tons of sources. Have him being like pale and weak and things like that. Every contemporaneous source said he he appeared fine and very healthy and his complexion was good. Okay, I have a question. Yes. Did they try to get him to take them into the woods where he came from so they could figure out who? I'd be shocked if they didn't. Yeah. And I'm sure he said, don't know, don't know. Yeah. Okay. He couldn't tell them. When he got there, though, he walked up 90 steps into his cells and again his complexion was normal yeah. so he also seemed to have a pretty good memory when they when they said things he remembered them but otherwise he just seemed sort of intellectually stunted yeah like he was simple so hotel reported that he refused to eat any food other than bread and water oh. when they tried to give him meat he acted disgusted like he's gonna be sick huh even the smell of wine made him tipsy I mean, like a little bit, he'd get a little bit drunk <laughs> if he smelled wine, so he didn't drink any. I'm not sure that's possible. Ah, Carrie. <laughs> when you've led the life he's led, it is. Trust me. They so. they lit a candle in his cell, and he was full on amazed by fire. He would just stare at the fire. He tried to grab it and burned his fingers. So he had to learn that fire was hot. So meaning he grew up in a little cabin in the woods, and they didn't have a fire? We'll see. We'll see. We'll get to that. He did the same when they showed him a mirror. He's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> he tried to touch it like he's touching someone else. Yeah, like babies do. Yeah, he was very much like a baby, astounded and perplexed by mirrors and flame. Wow. They gave him toys shaped like a variety of animals. All of them he called horse. Loved horses. In fact, his favorite one was a little toy rocking horse that he would just become obsessed with and play with all the time. Uh-huh. His speech as as you can tell, it was kind of rudimentary. It was also very unusual. Like some ego-driven celebrity, he would speak of himself in the third person. Casper, very good, he would say, things like that. Huh. Yeah. He, so he's learning He's learning words. He did not know the difference between genders. So he had no shame. So he started undressing in front of Hiltel's wife when she brought him clothes. And like, oh, no, oh, God, oh, dear. Stop, no. And and so he apparently, so they took that to mean he didn't know the difference between men and women. Yeah. And he would sit still forever. He would, hours on end, they said he would sit there, whether he was looking at the flame or looking at the mirror or just staring into the dark of his cell, he would sit there for hours and hours and hours unmoving. And we know why. Why? Because that's all he ever got to do. Oh, so sad. He did have this kind of native intelligence, though. Remember Hiltel said he, that Casper had a good memory 
And I think one of the reasons he said that is because his two young kids, he had like 11 year old son, I think a younger daughter, the jailer did. And they immediately adopted Casper and became like their playmate. And so they'd play with him all the time. And the boy himself took it upon himself to teach Casper as much German as he possibly could. He taught him tons of words. That's probably the best thing for him. Yeah. Yeah. And and Casper picked it up very, very quickly. Yeah. He, like Ray, 183 years later, was, was adapting very quickly. So the widespread assumption within Nuremberg was that Casper was like a feral child. Mm-hmm. He'd been out in the woods for a long time, maybe abandoned there at some point in his childhood. He wasn't dirty, was he? No, not really. I mean, no more than anybody was in 1828, which was a lot dirtier, I think, we would tolerate. Yes, but, but he would be filthy from head yeah, to toe if he was. he wasn't. Was. He wasn't. Yeah. He seemed, like I said, his clothes sounded nice. Yeah. Don't they? Yes. Other than the shoes, which didn't sit, fit very well and seemed, like I said, very worn, very beat up from what they took to mean a long walk mm-hmm. through, I don't know, rocky ground. Yeah. The letters he carried, though, obviously refuted that. It didn't say anything about it. didn't make him sound like a feral child at all. He was raised by this labor in a house. so Just it, not very humanely, it sounds like. True. It sounds like, yeah, it does. So... As he's picking up speech, though, Casper himself is able to start filling in some details of his past. The mayor of Nuremberg, Jacob Binder, was another person who took a liking to Casper and was very protective of him very early on and would frequently go to the castle and talk to Casper. So Casper started telling the mayor uh, some other things about his dark and and lonely childhood, as I think you've guessed already. Uh, Eventually, Casper would actually write down his accounts and in 1829... His autobiography was published, and it was a runaway bestseller. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I teased it at the beginning of the tease. He became one of the most famous persons in Europe for, for a short yeah. time. He was His story was, like I said, I think they were fascinated by the story. This, who is this kid? Where is he? And as soon as when he started, when they read the letters, remember they read the letters very early on. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, what's, what's going on here? Why would somebody hide this kid away? Why would a mom give him to this laborer and this laborer raise him for 16 years and then, you know, yeah. try to take him into town and just, and just ditch him? It was so, he, he gained a lot of attention very early, a lot of media attention. As far back as he could remember, Casper said, he had been in a kind of solitary confinement. He was raised, he lived in this murky room. It had two windows, but they were boarded up to block most of the sunlight. So he lived in, in this kind of semi-darkness. Mm-hmm. The ceiling seemed makeshift. He described it as like two big pieces of wood that were sort of tied together, which is weird. There was a door, but it was always locked. The room was tiny it was roughly two plus meters long say like seven feet yeah and maybe a little more than a meter wide say four feet or so so four by seven that the ceiling was roughly about a meter meter and a half high maybe five feet or a little more so even four foot nine casper could stand up but barely yeah some writers by the way again i'll just warn you the the listener that some writers make it that even smaller. He's like, oh, he lived in a tube, but you know, I yeah. mean, it's, it's like yeah. he was nonsense. I mean, it's a tiny room, yeah. But he could stand up, he could lay down, but it was dark. He could do jumping locked. jacks. He could do jump if he really wanted to. He could do jump, although he no, couldn't, he couldn't do them. Yeah. No, he could. You're right. He could not do jumping jacks. Could do some pull ups. He could get all like Rob De Niro ripped in Cape Fear by just doing a lot, a lot of pull ups, push ups, push ups. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know. One of the ups, Carrie. <laughs> he had a woolen blanket with a straw bed on top of a dirt floor, which is a little weird, isn't it? Probably not. I guess not back then, huh? I don't know. Mm-mm. 
I don't know, 1828? Oh, I, I think it, they'd have it, something on the ground. You know, dirt it sounds like they were in a could have been, yeah, road. Or it could have been some kind of an outbuilding, something like that. The yeah. ceiling is the weird part. Why, yeah. not, why not just a regular ceiling? It's almost like they're lowered the ceiling for some reason with the well, wood or just, I don't know. Maybe he was, was he in an attic maybe? We don't Do know. We know. Yeah. So no, we I, know. well, maybe. He's not sure. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Could have been. Could have been. Okay, so he had the blanket, he had the, the, the straw uh, bed, and the room, it was long enough to lie down, but he said he didn't. He said he'd always sleep sitting up, and that his, his put his back against the wall, his legs out straight in front of him, and that's how he'd sleep. And in fact, I think, the, if I remember correctly, the jailer said he'd sleep like that in the cell as well. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. There was a round hole in the floor for you-know-what. Also a bucket sometimes for his, let's call them bodily products if you want. Or not. I don't know. Pee and poop? Stop it. <laughs> That's terrible, Terry. <laughs> when did you become so I just Some weird. people don't like to talk about that. He had some toys in there, including a wooden dog, but his most cherished toys were his two wooden horses. So that's why he called everything horse, and he loved that toy horse that they brought him in, yeah. in, in the prison or in the, in the castle. Casper subsisted on rye bread and water, which explains why he just wanted to eat bread and water when he came into Nuremberg. Yeah. And he said he would find that food next to his bed every morning. According to some sources, by the way, he they say Casper never saw who placed it there, but other sources say that a man would knock at the door and he would look away, like look toward the wall and then bring in, you know, Things bring in food or take the bucket, things like that. So he wasn't supposed to see the person who was caring for him. Yeah. Okay. So wouldn't he have rickets and every other thing that's caused by? That's part two. Bad nutrition. I'm gonna tell you right now, it's part two. Oh, okay. Be patient. Okay. Okay. Once in a while, the water Casper said would taste a little bit bitter, and on those days he would sleep very soundly. He'd basically pass out and he'd be for sure asleep deeply the whole night. When he awoke. His hair and fingernails would be cut, his clothes would be changed, and the straw would be refreshed. So his caretakers figured, okay, they're drugging him. He must have been drugged. Probably opium at the time, you know, like laudanum or opium yeah. was the was the most likely thing to do to sort of knock him out, keep him asleep all night. And so they did a little test and they put a little dash of opium in his water. And he said, Oh yeah, that's bitter. That's what it tasted like. Yeah. So they thought, okay, he was being drugged by opium on a pretty regular basis all throughout Why? his childhood. Because they had to do things where he'd see the face of the person who kept him. Oh, to... To cut his hair, to cut, cut his, his fingernails, things like that. He can tell him, I'm going to bring in your food or something like that. You, you can convey to him, turn around, don't face me, and he'll just go get the bucket or whatever. But when it comes to doing those kinds of things, he couldn't. So they'd drug him, whoever his caretaker was, would drug him and you know cut his yeah. hair, change his clothes, Why would somebody bother to do all of this? Can't be seen, Carrie. It could be his neck. No, 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 no. Why? I mean, why would he have kept the baby in the first place? Yeah, could have just killed it. No, he'd take it straight to a family home. Okay, family home, huh? You know yeah. all about eighteen twenty, <laughs> Jeremy. There might be a little more to Casper's story about why they'd want to take care of this child. Now, mightn't there? We'll get to that. Then one day, not too long before he was set free, he met the first human he had actually seen. Kind of. He said this person wore a mask. So the person came in, didn't make him turn around or drug him, came in, faced him in his room, but he had a mask on his face to conceal who he was. 
the man started teaching him, and I guess pretty quickly he's able to teach him to you know to write some symbols that said Casper Hauser. He said he did that. The man did it by basically taking his arm and guiding it to let him do the letters. Yeah. And the man had taught him to say, "I want to be a cavalryman as my father was." And though Casper would say, "I didn't know what it meant. I just would say it. I sort of parroted it." Then one day the masked man said, "Okay, you're ready." And he took him out of the cell for the first time ever and took him outside into the sunlight. I imagine he would be shielding his eyes yeah. from the direct sunlight. And he said they started walking. And walking was very difficult for, for him. And it was a long time. They walked for a long, long time. And his feet began to really hurt. He couldn't say, now you're, you're going to say, okay, well, well where'd you walk? Where'd you come from? What did it look like? Casper said, I don't know. I was not good at walking because I didn't know a yeah. lot of walking. So I had to look at my feet to prevent falling. So I didn't really see where I'd come from or yeah. I couldn't describe my route to you. But I just, it was out in the woods somewhere. Then somewhere not that far from the city, and Casper called the city of Nuremberg the big village, the man in the mass said, Casper, you go ahead. You go on without me. I got to do some, but I'll follow you there soon. I'll see you. You go into the big village. Casper is obedient by nature. He continued on into Nuremberg. He got to the gate. He passed in through the gate. And he just began sort of wandering the streets until that nice shoemaker, Weinberg, whatever his name was, <laughs> took an interest in him and thus began a new life for Casper Hauser. So after about two months in the castle, they, the, the town's just got, we got to do something with this kid. Yeah. What should we do? So, I mean, they'd, effectively, they, they've kind of adopted him, and they were raising money for his upkeep from private people, like a, they had a GoFundMe for Casper, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but long term, there's a lot of uncertainty, and they weren't Just sure what to do. Find a family that will take him. Well, they will. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. He's almost like a, he's an oddity, though. So people, learned people are going, we got to figure this out. This is interesting. One of those was a judge named Paul von Feuerbach. We're going to call him... Von Feuerbach, because we're not going to call him Paul Johann Anself Ritter von Feuerbach, his actual name. He began to research Casper's very strange case. Von Feuerbach put Casper under the care of a schoolmaster named Friedrich Dahmer and also lent a little money of his own and raised some more money to pay Dahmer to essentially keep him and teach him, uh -huh. to educate him. You know, he's 16 and he's learning fast, but he needs some formal education if he's going to ever make something of himself. Sure. So, Casper, though, begins to flourish. Mm -hmm. Dahmer discovers that Casper was a very talented artist. And oh. we can put some in the feed or put some uh, somewhere on our website, whatever, uh, some of his drawings. He drew uh -huh. these landscapes, his house and forest. He's a very good artist. He'd draw in pencil usually. He also saw that his language skills were getting better every day. His writing was getting better very rapidly. He kind of shed the image of this sort of mentally challenged child very quickly and Dahmer noted in his diary how he still retained a kind of a weird innocence, but he didn't seem intellectually stunted anymore. Not for very quickly, he became as smart as any kid his age. Yeah. Just a little bit different, a little bit weird. For instance, he was very shy of sunlight, which course, is not surprising, yeah. but he also didn't like trees. He just like didn't want to go near trees. Still, though, when Dahmer was out walking with him, Dahmer struck a tree with his stick, I guess his walking stick, and Casper became immediately upset, thinking, stop it, stop it, the tr the tr uh, you're hurting the tree. He, like, the tree is going to yeah. feel pain. Oh. Yeah. So he's nice. 
He showed signs of developing sort of like hypersensitive senses, presumably from those oh. years in his in his captivity. He had like bat-like hearing. People on the other side of a, of a large room whispering to each other, he could hear and understand what they're saying to each other. I don't know why that would be. Because he has bat hearing, Carrie. I know, but why? It's kind of like a superhero. <laughs> okay. It's like getting, if toxic sludge gets on you or if a, if a, a toxic spider bites you, you develop talents. This is what happens with him. Mm-hmm. He could see in the dark. He would read aloud from the Bible in total darkness. And I mean, Dahmer was yeah. amazed. That one I could understand. Yeah. Not yeah. the bat-like hearing. Ah, don't well, you don't, you don't understand bats then, do <laughs> He would see full night sky constellations at dusk when no one else can discern those shapes quite yet. He'd say, oh, that's, uh, I don't know any constellations off the top of my head. Cassiopeia. Big Dipper, Cassiopeia. There's the, there's Ursus Major. And they're going, what? It's still, the, the sun's still kind of out. Oh my God, it is. <laughs> Dahmer, though, <laughs> was into Dahmer, the teacher, the schoolmaster. He was into something that at the time they called it speculative philosophy, which now we probably call pseudoscience or quack science. It's in a weird, kind of new agey stuff. But in his defense, at least back then, they weren't quite sure it was you know nonsense yet. But his pet interest, one of his pet interests, was homeopathy, uh-huh. which is the treatment of diseases through tiny doses of what you thought was medicine. And insanely, this is still practiced to this day. There are still homeopathic physicians to this day, which is which is pretty nuts. He also was fascinated by magnetism. Magnetism was huge. It had just it was fairly new. People were still figuring it out, but it was almost thought like it was magical. Yeah. But 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 natural science magic. Like, yeah. oh my God, we don't know what this thing can do. The powers of magnetism are unbounded, we think. It was really seen as as a a, a game changer. Which yeah, I would Imagine so. I suppose. Magnets are fascinating. They, they, Even now. They absolutely are, but they ascribed fairly what we now think were ridiculous powers and attributes to, yeah. to them back then. And so, oh, and Dahmer well, is somebody who was looking into that. That persists till today. So. I suppose. I suppose. Judge Feuerbach would later write, quote, when Professor Dahmer held the North Pole of a magnet towards him, Casper put his hands to the pit of his stomach and, drawing his waistcoat in an outward direction, said that it drew him thus, and that a current of air seemed to proceed from him. The South Pole affected him less powerfully, and he said that it blew upon him, end quote. So, so this Dahmer's pet thing is magnets. He's testing magnets on Casper, and Casper's saying, oh yeah, uh-huh. I can feel it. I can feel this magnet. And he, he described, here's what the magnet is doing yeah. to me. So, I'm telling you, superpowers, Gary. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you might think Pat Casper is just sort of pleasing his keeper. Who knows? I don't know. But he's doing well. He's living comfortably. He's in Nuremberg. It beat the hell out of a dark cell with only bread and water. Now, yeah. There were some rough patches along the way, though. But wait, isn't he still only eating bread and water? No, nah, he's eating other stuff now. Okay, good. Yeah. I don't know if he's eating filet mignon, but well, he is eating. maybe a fruit or a vegetable. Is Probably that, I yes. Would. Yes. Shoot for. Maybe okay. it's like the green children of the wool pit and all he yeah. ate was fava beans. <laughs> Casper's biography had brought many vis- visitors. He was again, he became a celebrity. People, the the you rich mean his and biographer. His biography. His the, he wrote a biography and it brought many people to oh, him. Okay. The publication of the book gotcha. okay. drew a lot of interest in him. And so like these other famous people and wealthy people from around not just Nuremberg, but Germany and, and the rest of the continent uh-huh. would come and visit him. And talk to him. And it's like, it's like, wow, let's see that that weird yeah. oddity, Casper Hauser. Let's see what's going on there. 
and he loved it. He so he wasn't so shy anymore, huh? Not shy at all. Quite the opposite. Dahmer was not happy about this. Yeah, he thought it was interrupting your studies, and so he tried to stop the visitors from coming. And Casper got very upset about this. He chased against it. He insisted on his freedom. He wanted to go into town whenever he wanted and visit all his new friends and anytime he wanted. So there's a, a little friction is building up between he and Dahmer. Becoming a rebellious adolescent. Yes. A what? Rebellious oh, adolescent. I think he said a bilious adolescent. <laughs> like his stomach is not <laughs> well. I think. I'm not sure what that means. More seriously, Dahmer was beginning to sour on Casper for other reasons. And that main reason was it seems that Casper liked to lie. Mm. Dahmer found him and caught him in numerous lies and he'd tell him and admonish him. But Casper didn't care. He'd just do it again. And again, he's relishing this celebrity. Dahmer's not liking it. He's liking it less and less. He wrote, quote, Casper Hauser's nature had lost much of its original purity and that a highly regrettable tendency to untruthfulness and dissimulation had manifested itself, end quote, because that's how people wrote back then. Mm -hmm. Just a letter to your friend. (laughs) You use the word dissimulation. (laughs) Do you? I don't know. Then on October 17th, 1829, so it's been over a year now, Casper and Dahmer had an argument over Casper ignoring his lessons. They probably had many of these, Uh but this one was pretty bad. Dahmer went for a walk, left Casper behind at home. And Dahmer said, okay, I'm just going to, you know, go for a walk. Let's get away. I'll come back. We won't talk about Gotta go cool down. Gonna go cool down. You go cool down. You stay at home, (laughs) Casper. So Dahmer leaves, goes on his walk. And while he's away, something terrible happened. Dahmer returns from his walk and he finds Casper badly shaken, hiding in the cellar, bleeding from a cut on his forehead. Uh-oh. Casper told him what happened. Casper said he was sitting on the privy in the bathroom. Yes, that's right. Casper was pooping. And just doing his business. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a man swings the door open. He's wearing a hood. He burst into the privy. And he slashes at him with, I guess, a knife, a dagger, or something. Mm-hmm. The man yelled, you still have to die before you leave the city of Nuremberg, as he, as he slashed at Cal's, Casper. Casper ducked. He's quick. Remember? Superpowers? Mm-hmm. So he's quick. He duff, ducked. And so the knife cut him across the forehead instead of, presumably, the, the, the neck, throat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And then the man fled, apparently, because he's gone, because Casper says that... He was able to make his escape. He, he ran out of the privy and they would follow a trail of blood from the privy and it would show that he must have run up first to the first floor, which in decent civilizations we call the second floor. But in Europe and England, they call the first floor and they call the first floor the ground floor because they don't care about the truth or justice wow. in the world. Wow, you have a weird thing about that. I, 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 I'm on record so as this, hating that system. The privy was basically an outhouse? Is yes, okay. I, I it might have been inside. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. Okay. I think it was inside a house. Okay. Probably on you know a corner, and so he runs up. The blood shows him running up to his bedroom, apparently, which again is on the second floor. And instead of seeking help, because I think there's some people in the house. I'm not 100 sure. Maybe his wife was there, but instead of I don't know going outside, I guess. And hey, I've been attacked. Someone help me. He ran down to the cellar and he crawled in through like a trap door and he hid. 
He sure. I mean, you don't, he doesn't know where that guy is. It's like Lily. She goes under blankets because she it just makes her feel safe. He's like that. Goes, <laughs> Lily's a chihuahua, by the way. A, she is a chihuahua. That's true. So, <laughs> Lily is a 21-year-old child. <laughs> Casper tell police that he had recognized the attacker's voice. Uh-huh. Who do you think it was, Carrie? It was the, the, the laborer. You're damn right it was. It was the man who had raised him. The man in the mask who had led him to the outskirts of Nuremberg before disappearing. Mm-mm-mm. Worried that Casper had been marked for murder by some powerful group, given what he said, uh-huh. the town ordered a police escort oh, every time Casper went out along the town to visit his friends who were still interested in him. In uh-huh. fact, way more interested in him now. Yeah. Authorities also placed him now in the care of Johann Bieberbach, who was a city official. I guess they just, you know. Dom like, doesn't want him anymore. Dom's like, okay. You know what? I can't protect him. You should probably take him. <laughs> I'm really sick of this little shit. So he goes to live with Johann Bieberbach. The attack, as you can imagine, massively heightened some rumors that had already been floating around Casper for quite some time, though. That is, rumors about the mysterious origin of this boy. Had someone been trying to hide Casper, hence his upbringing. Perhaps someone rich and powerful was Casper. In fact, a prince, but a kind of inconvenient one for some very powerful people. Hmm. Intriguing, isn't it? Shortly, from what I can read, a lot of people thought, oh my God, this guy might be a a secret prince, this Casper Mm -hmm. Hauser. And he had been having dreams, Casper had. One of those dreams he told to, I don't know if it was Bieberbach or Dahmer before that, but it's a dream. He said, I'm in some gigantic castle. There's a woman in fancy dress and a man in dressed all in black. And the man has a sword. And I don't know. I keep on having this, this dream. Some people were interpreting this as mean, hey, maybe that's an echo, like a memory when you were a child and you lived in a castle. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> And there did actually happen to be a local royal family, a nearby royal family, that did have some very strange succession issues in a time frame that could kind of fit Casper's story, Casper's age. Uh In 1812, the leader of the southern German principality, I think it's a duchy, of Baden, B-A-D-N, his name was Karl Ludwig Friedrich, he was the Grand Duke of Baden, his wife was Stephanie de Bocharnay. She was a young cousin of Josephine, the wife of Napoleon. And indeed, Stephanie had been actually been adopted by Napoleon. So she was kind of his quasi-daughter. Okay. This is 1828 now. I'm, I'm sorry, this is, 18, this is 1812. Right. So Napoleon's still in power. Though the Baden row couple would have four children only two of those four children were boys the first boy who would have been the heir to the throne of baden died at two weeks old so he's out they would later in 1816 have another son but he would die at one week old so he's out too remember 1812 was the first one though and that would be the heir to the throne of baden that's when casper was born keep that in mind the story was this that the first child that first son was indeed young casper and that the scheming countess of hochberg had used her influence to spirit that child away to be raised by a laborer in bavaria the next kingdom over 
And she swapped this royal son with another infant who was dying. Uh-huh. And of course, would soon die. When Grand Duke Charles died in 1818, he was now left with no male heir. So he and, and women could not inherit the throne of right. Baden. Just all he had was three useless princesses to be married to various nobles. It's the best you can do with them. They're women, Gary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm thought I might get hit then, but this meant that Charles's uncle took the throne in 1818. Uh, Wait, hold on a sec. Uh, you're going to do math, aren't you? No. Okay. I'm going to ask you, when did Queen Victoria become queen? Oh, 1830-something, I want to say. 39, 40, somewhere in that range. There had been female monarchs before this. This is Baden. This is not... Any, no, any... I, I understand Oh, that, sure, but not but, in Baden. Okay. In Baden, you well, could, uh, it Baden had to be a male heir. Even a... Wow, wow. I, I'm going to apologize to the now, I think, state of Baden in Germany. Yeah, it's not a kingdom. What Carrie's saying. It's a grand duchy, Carrie. <laughs> not, you, could, you had to be a duke. You couldn't be a duchess and be in charge of Baden. Mm-hmm. Carrie's their rules. We can't... And it was also in the distant past. There's nothing we can do about it. And look where their rules have gotten them. Yep, there you go. Baden is what hellhole now. I'm sure it's a very, very wonderful place. It's it's not sovereign. No, it's part of Germany. I know. That's what (laughs) I'm saying. I think they're okay with it. I really do. (laughs) Here's angry Baden still not his own country. I'm confused. So, 12 years later in 1830. So, okay, remember. The father of supposedly Casper, he dies in 1818, and because he has no male heirs, his uncle takes the throne. Twelve years later, in 1830, Louis, the uncle, would die, and the throne would go to his half-brother, Leopold. And who was Leopold's mother? Uh Uh-huh, the conniving Countess of Hochberg. Her long game Uh finally coming to fruition. She was really thinking ahead. She damn well was. And it worked. She well, this is all speculation, correct? Sure. Okay. But a shit ton of people believed it. Did did she write a journal? No, she's too smart. Today for that. I took a baby, and I'm not sure that was a Baden accent. Was that German? <laughs> do it a German accent now. No. Come on, do it. I don't know what that was. It was good. I'm not gonna lie. That was a really good accent. Everybody knows I'm it was really not good at accents. Accent. I I hope it was. Today <laughs> I took a baby. What was that? Hello, where's the queen? I'm the queen. Hello. The rumors grew and grew. Some said the countess had dressed up like a ghost, and all in white, <laughs> and hence, and she was called like the white lady. The white lady to this day is a super common ghost motif, by the way. She, yeah. she started it. And so she dressed up like a ghost when she helped kidnap the royal baby and take it away. So as a child of royal blood, the countess, I, I guess, apparently couldn't countenance his outright murder, so she gave him to this laborer, or had her people take him to the laborer and raise him as an orphan. And she just happened to have a baby who was about to die. Carrie, you're, you're a countess. You've got resources. You probably have like a maid. Your baby looks kind of sick. He is sick. Let me have him. <laughs> what are you going to say to the countess? You're going to give him the baby, Carrie. Okay. Mm, okay. So she gave him up, and, and uh, you know, who knows? The letter could have been a purposeful you know, telling the laborer this, but they, they must have paid the laborer and, and to make sure he didn't kill the baby or give it away that you're going to raise this. We'll give you some money. You raise this baby until he's old enough to go take him to the Calvary. And then you, you drop him off in Nuremberg. We got a story. We got a couple of story all, all set up. But why all of that? Just give him to a, a, a laborer who, and say, kill, him. kill the baby. They don't want to kill the baby. He's royal carry. The countess is not that 
Craven. Yes, she is. No, 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 no. She is going to let that baby live, but not know who he is. Have you not seen the man in the iron mask? Wait, that doesn't fit. Never mind. He, she's just going to. She's uh, she's not that bad. She's is she willing to kidnap a two week old and take another dying baby and swap it? Yes. You know what you do? You just swap. Give it to the maid with the dying baby. Here, here you go. Here's one that's going to live. Uh, the maid's going to. Uh, th- then the maid's right there. She has to take it to a different place. Remember, they took it to Bavaria, not Baden anymore. She got to take it as far knows. away as she can go. Babies all look alike. Nobody knows. Nah, Nobody's going to know what that is. German baby. babies look like German babies. They have one eyebrow. Yeah, Male they're or all, female. Yeah, they're all German, right? I just, I, you're not going to be mad at me for insulting Germany just now. Whatever. <laughs> I thought better of you. I was kidding, Germany. You know that. Others thought it was possible that Casper was the royal heir to the kingdom of Hungary, where there also been a little bit of machinations, I think. Others thought, and I will get to the hungry thing in a minute, others posited that he was part of the English royal family, the Sakes Coburg Gotes, originally of Hanover in North, was now North Germany. So mm-hmm. there was, very quickly, most people thought the Baden thing. That was yeah. the most dominant one. But there was others thrown out there as well. He's some kind of royal baby. Of course. Let's figure it out. It's gotta be. Mm-hmm. The Hungarian connection would be explored further by a later Casper benefactor, but We'll get to that in a second. First, back to Casper's life. He got kind of comfortable in the Bieberbach household. But as with Dahmer, there was drama for Casper. He did not get on well with Frau Bieberbach, the wife. Uh She did not like him. It came down, again, to Casper's just unending hunger for attention and his inability to consistently tell the truth. She commented on that very quickly as well. So he's just... he's ego-driven now all of a sudden he's getting full of himself he's got all these visitors he's going out to meet people all the time people are fighting over him and he's being caught in lie after lie after lie the frau would tell others that casper was a quote master of the art of dissimulation which echoes the other guy Uh and quote full of vanity and spite so he's also kind of a nasty kid she said he was guilty of quote horrendous mendacity these are translations i'm sure but yeah guys just calm down on april 3rd 1830 Casper argued with his guardians about his lying. They kind of brought it up. You've got to stop doing this. It's getting, it's just, it's over. You so know what? He's like 18 or 19 by now, yeah, right? He okay. He'd be 18 by now. He went up to his room after one, a really bad argument. And so he's up there. He's stewing in his room. The family's downstairs. At some point, the family is startled by a gunshot. Uh-oh. Ringing out upstairs. They rush up the stairs. They burst into Casper's bedroom, and there they find Casper bleeding from a wound to his head, much like what had occurred in Dahmer's privy, uh-huh. but this time it was a gunshot wound. And this time, there was no attacker in that room with yeah. Casper, or even one that he said escaped. Here's what he said. When they finally got him back to consciousness, Casper would say that, probably with a little bit of embarrassment, he said, hey, my bad. <laughs> I was climbing <laughs> on top of a chair. So I got a chair. I wanted to reach some really high books. Remember, I'm four foot nine. Yeah. I'm a little guy. And so I got a chair. I was reaching up for these books. I lost my balance. This is kind of embarrassing. So I reached out in panic, trying to grab something to upright myself to, to prevent my fall. And I accidentally grabbed at, yes, a, a pistol that was hanging on the wall right next to the, to the bookshelf. Apparently, this is the thing. I guess this is where you kept your pistol, Carrie. It's like people nowadays put their bike 
on like those little yes. hangy things from the ceiling. Same thing with pistols. The pistol was loaded. loaded and cocked and ready to go. Loaded, cocked pistols were routinely <laughs> kept hanging on walls in this day. Do not question it. The gun, of course, went off as he's falling backward and it greased, greased, creased his he- his head. And grazed. Grazed. It could have greased it. It could have creased his head as well. It could have grease. It probably didn't grease his head, but it did. It could have creased his head. I'm just throwing out. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I was throwing out a word there. The wound, luckily, was pretty superficial. Some even weren't a billion percent sure it was caused by a bullet, but there had been a gunshot. Yeah, they heard the gunshot. They did hear the gunshot, but they still weren't completely convinced. Was there a bullet hole in the wall or the ceiling? Or let's say yes. Yeah, there was, there had to be, because the gun did go off. But they weren't sure that the, I mean, yeah. think about it. There's other ways for that to happen. But at least Casper's okay. So, phew. Yeah. Another, he dodged a bullet again, pun intended. Shortly after this, it was obvious to the city worthies that Casper had kind of worn out his welcome at the Bieberback house. Remember, the, the wife didn't like him. He was lying. I, I imagine the, um, the, Husband also was kind of getting sick of him as well. Now he's having these gun accidents in their house. They're, you know, yeah. they're kind of sick of him as well. In May of 1830, the town moved him on to the home of someone named Baron von Tucker. And then history quickly repeated itself there as well. So as the mystery boy, Casper, continues to gain attention, there's still curious people and there's these coming to him. There's all these rumors about him being royal. That's attracting a lot of interest in him as well. Van Tuker, same thing happened. He caught him in countless lies. So he's living in his house. He's having these people come over and he's lying again and again to this person who is letting him live in his house and feed him and keep him. Yeah. Van Tuker had, had been one of Casper's earliest supporters. That's why they took him to his house. He said, I'll take him. I've, I've known the kid since he came into Nuremberg. And he had helped raise money for him. But again, Van Tuka grew tired of his behavior very quickly. And not, again, not just lying, but he was like full of himself. Yeah. He was, just, he was really pompous by this time. So but quickly, Van Tuka had enough. Fortunately for Casper, there was one more wealthy, well-connected fan to come to his rescue. This one was from England. He was probably a spy. And he apparently believed that Casper really was a secret royal. And that is the end of part one. In part two, the last part, we will tell you about this mysterious English spy who took a liking to Casper and would take care of him through the next important part of Casper's life. And then, of course, we will talk about who was Casper, were these things true, where did he really come from, Okay. and we'll we'll wrap it up with that. Okay, and then we'll go back to the... We will, Current I promise, we'll guy. go back to Ray in Germany in, in Berlin in 2011. Yes. Uh, also, next question. Yes. Have there been movies made of this? Yes, there have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was one made in the 70s um, by a pretty famous director in Germany. I can't remember what it was. Nothing really huge, though, now. Yeah. But there's been lots of stories. I'm sure this was on and in search of in the 70s or whatever. This yeah. is, again, I've known the story since I was a child. Yeah. I just know the name Casper Hauser and okay. I know the just the very basic. Okay. The kid showed well, up. This That's is good. It. That's Because we're giving you a lot more than basics now. Yeah. We'll give you yes. some good good detail. Again, it won't take long. In, in part two, we'll trace to, to Casper's end and then we'll go over the theories and what, what he really was. Okie dokes. We look forward to that, don't you? I hope so. Thanks for listening. All right, see ya. Bye.